0: Welcome to the Be In Cyber podcast. I'm Rosie Anderson and the idea of this podcast is to show you what it's like to actually be in cyber. I want to showcase the diverse range of careers and tell you some stories of people who already work in the industry and the path that they've trodden. So that whether you want to be in cyber or whether you want to get on in cyber and aren't sure what's next for you. Hopefully there'll be some interesting stories shared. Today's guest is Samantha Humphreys from Exabeam. She's going to talk to us about B-sides, about her career, about the path that she's taken. This is a really great episode. I don't think I stopped laughing throughout, so hopefully you're going to enjoy it. So today we've got the wonderful Sam Humphreys talking to us on the Bee and Cyber podcast. If you don't know Sam, Sam works at Exabeam as, oh, I'm not even sure of your title anymore. I know it's got the word global and director in there somewhere. So tell us who you are
1: really long so it depends i actually use different titles for different things because my title does have marketing in it and people get a bit scared of that because they think i'm gonna just try and sell them something immediately but i'm not a scary marketer i don't know if i am a marketer sometimes at all i mean everyone's a marketer everyone's not my full title is senior director international marketing and security strategy which is a lot
0: wow that is a mouthful yes it is, it,
1: it, in many ways, it's two jobs, but one supports the other without question. And I do do marketing. I do write Exabeam a lots of stuff. So if you've ever picked up any Exabeam swag, certainly in EMEA, some of the things may seem a little weird and wonderful. So I do everything from swag through to thought leadership topics on stages at big events, PR. I work with the security strategy team, is a cross-functional team at Exabeam. So I work heavily with them and that goes from our CISO to our head of office of the CISO, which is slightly different, field CISO team, product marketing, people who do talks at events. So that could be SEs, that could be occasionally salespeople, more likely to be technical folks. Then a a mix of weird and wonderful people in between who we discuss kind of everything from messaging to what's going on in the market to what breach is happening this hour, because I used to say breach de jour and now it's breach de l'heure. it feels like. Only French people out there, my terrible pronunciation. So yeah, it's a real mix. And But the marketing thing definitely comes into play. And if you've ever heard me speak about stuff, hopefully I'm not just a scary marketing person.
0: Marketing people are humans too, you? You're definitely not. And Exabeam does have the best swag, I will say that. <laughs> if you're ever at a conference, get to the Exabeam stand early. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah this is it you've got oh uh, my house is full of stuff with x-beam on it it feels like sometimes i just go what do i need it's for X-Beam on that but um, it's a bit more to it than that but yeah I, i'm just so bored of pens and notebooks and water bottles because we've all got millions of them especially water bottles right i just I, I feel like we're creating a new problem of these reusable water bottles that everyone's you know, sharing out outlet right and center which are worse for the environment in many cases than just a bottle of water or a tap.
0: Yeah, because you'll at least recycle them. <laughs> yeah,
1: use glass, get tap, all
0: good. So what's the best part of your job then? Um,
1: the variation. I mean, it's kind of why I love cyber as well, right? Is you, like no two days are ever the same, which is good. I do jokingly say I'm not a marketing person, but I've been a marketing person now for eight years, so I probably
0: am by now. Yeah, I think you need to accept that.
1: Yeah, it's like I make like, like, first, first first stage of submitting it, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I get to work with some really cool people. So I work with people who are actual real marketers and have studied that and have qualifications in it, and arguably better at it than me, and help them understand more about what what really matters to security people. Because I think vendors, it's very easy for vendors to get a bad rep uh, because a lot most of them aren't security people, and if they just get bashed over the head. They're not really going to get the feedback that they need to be better at stuff. Um, And I'm lucky. We've got some great people in our team who have worked in security jobs as well, like real ones, including like a friend of mine who's in product marketing. She used to run the SOC over at CrowdStrike. She's amazing. So we can really kind of help direct people in a way that isn't just making wild claims about stuff really does, I think, cause problems because other people believe the hype. And then buy something that isn't really the solution they're looking for. Or they just look at it and think oh, that's bullshit, which, and absolutes really annoy me in, in marketing, because, especially in cybersecurity, because there are no absolutes. There is no winning point. There's no end. There's no absolute. There's always it depends. Yes,
0: I was just going to say, Capstock have that strategy as well. If we've got stickers with it depends on, because it is very much.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, I, I mean, the things I love about my job, I get to meet a lot of people. Um, across the board like i've got this week i'm doing a, a dinner with CISOs and security leaders then i've got one repeat with a leading ladies roundtable the cyber security as well of which during which we're going to talk about the ai elephant in the room because everyone's gone now so i mean that's this week next week is is different over again and it, it's always changing I'm never bored because that's my Bit bored. I'm, I'm really lazy at that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, we always joke, don't we? Like, where in the world is Sam Humphreys? Because you are 100% everywhere. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm tired.
0: Um, <laughs> are you clocking up the air miles?
1: Yes. I've got a lot of points. So that's good. Um, and I do get to see the people that I live with occasionally. Like, the, one of them I gave birth to, another one I'm married. They, they live in a building that I partially own. and and my stuff is in that building and i'm in it right now which is nice but uh, there's there's still more travel before the year runs out and looking after international that does mean everything from london to sydney and back again Uh, and then us as well because we're a us company i also go to black cat defcon and stuff in the the summer so yeah there's there's, there there are places i haven't been to there are yeah Lapland. I haven't been to Lapland. land, haven't been to Finland, haven't been to Rome. Rome's on the list. That's a trip to Rome, you know. Nobody's done South America properly. I walked to Mexico once. Sounds really dramatic, doesn't it? Yeah, it
0: does.
1: And then I walked back. Um, we had a sales pick-off in San Diego. So you can just walk over the border.
0: They need to think about their security there.
1: <laughs> you can just walk through. just walk wherever you like. You have to go through, obviously, through the checkpoint. Fair enough, surprisingly, the Americans are harsher when you're coming back than the Mexicans are about you coming in. Yes. So there was more questions for sure. And yeah, I wanted to just say I've been really. It was an absolute tick in the box moment. I was like, I'll go for a taco, get a margarita. And then I found a tattoo place and spent two hours in a tattoo place getting a tattoo.
0: Let's go back to the beginning of your career. Where did you sort of start? How did you find out about cyber? Because a lot of women will say nowadays, I didn't know this was a career for me. So where did you start?
1: I'm going to go back to being four years old. Which um, upset. I am forty-five now, so we're going back a little bit before really any anyone knew that cyber was a job. So my mum worked for a disc copying company, like floppy discs, which was kind of a new cool thing, and uh, software on mass beyond tapes. So uh, she realised there was something in this computer malarkey, and. My nan initially bought me a Spectrum, a ZX Spectrum, and then my mum brought me a second hand at that point, which was quite, I mean, it was still brand new pretty much, BBC B computer, which our school had one. And my headmaster, when I, when I mentioned that I had one, because he did this big dramatic bringing in the computer on a trolley and at the end of showing a very rudimentary game thing that was on it, a cat and mouse game. At the end of it, it said, now press the space bar. So he looked at this little group of six-year-olds and was like, who here knows what a space bar is? Now, I think in back, like if someone's, someone had a typewriter in the house, they might have known that, but I just up and went up and pressed the space bar. And he said, how do you know? And I said, I've got one of these. And he went, no, you haven't. I said they have. And I was quite upset, and he phoned my mum to tell my mum that I was a liar and I was like really upset. That this like lie I'd made up, and she's like, "No, no, said, she has got one." And in fact, mine was slightly better than the schools because I had a double disc drive. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so mum used to bring home games and give them to me to play, and I didn't know at that point I was doing QA. So all of a sudden,
0: oh wow, yeah,
1: two and slave yeah. labour. I <laughs> think they
0: call <laughs> that human trafficking <laughs> now, don't they? Isn't there, like, laws against that? <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it's better than a chimney, I suppose, or being shoved down. But, yeah, when it broke, she'd get me to write down what broken, and then it would come back again a couple of weeks later with another one and go, oh, does this work now? Yeah. So I didn't have to fix it. I just had to tell him when it was broken. Oh, that's cool.
0: And at least you got to, like, see the games before anyone else. Were you, like, the first for Sonic? <laughs> it Pac-Man. <laughs> Not
1: even. <It'd> Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> even more rudimentary. So, yeah, so I had a computer for years. I had two computers, both of which I sold, which is the stupidest thing ever. Uh,
0: yeah, they'd be worth a fortune now.
1: Oh, right. And I had loads of games, especially for the Spectrum as well. So somewhere in the middle of all that, I decided I wanted to be a war correspondent. It makes sense, I'm sure. Uh, I think seeing Kate AD on the telly was like seeing this amazing woman who would go into uh, conflicts, war zones? The, the rule was ob- obviously if, if Kate AD showed up, then things were really bad. And she was she was shot in Tiananmen Square, just at, like minorly shot, not like you know, just being shot. <clears throat> um, but instead, they didn't put me off, and I was like, right, actually, I really want to do this. I've got this really deep seated passion for the truth, and. Like if you look at what's going on geopolitically now, without falling into that rabbit hole, the amount of misinformation that's going on just—it's uh, awful. It's so you know on top of it just being awful generally. So uh, I wanted to be—I wanted to be Kate Ad or like Kate Ad. She's already famous. Did my work experience with a newspaper in the north, and then off the back of that, I had a little column as well. It was very cute. I had the um <laughs> the North Allerton Thurston Bidel Times, and I did up which i've still got the clippings from it and they paid me two pence a line oh wow so that was the plan and then um it fell down a bit when i finished my gcse's i couldn't get funding to go to darlington college and the local authority just said well just do some other subjects and like rattled off a list of subjects they thought were, were the same and they really weren't so i can that at that point and well, I tried to do A-levels on subjects I didn't want to do, which didn't really rip up, but I wanted to go on. I lasted about three months. And then there was there was something that happened at, at school, which was just awful. They, a friend of mine came out. He was clearly very gay all the way through school. Came out, and the school decided to tell his parents, who disowned him. And it, was, oh, it was horrific. And I, So I stormed up to the head of the year and was like, this is a travesty what are you doing mm. and they said if you don't like it you can leave so I did and that was that it's so the end of my education right there really.
0: oh my god yeah I, can what like <laughs> yeah. oh my god why did they think that was a good idea
1: small northern town in the, ni- in yeah. the 90s right oh yeah so that uh, that was that was not good so I went to work in a travel agent this is relevant I'm gonna get there in a minute.
0: I um, love in
1: the back um, well, we'll skip over the travel Although one thing that I did do during travel was one of the courses they send you on beyond like how to use the computer systems and like what holidays are which. I did business travel for the, the vast majority of my travel career. And they there was a, there was a course and I don't know if it still exists now, it was BA Fairs and Ticketing. And it shows, it starts you right from the beginning about like how tickets work, how fares work, how it's all constructed. And the second level course, which I went on, really went into detail about how fares work. So knowing that meant that I knew how to get around it a little bit, So you, which you could possibly say is hacking. I mean, it was. I didn't just know it was at the time. Like, give me a system and I can find a way to tweak it, right? So my a lot of my travellers really liked the fact that I could get them decent trips for the same amount of money if we'd done one big ticket. And if we, did, like I did some magic. I could get them business class more often than not. I, I like the fact that once you want, you know, you understand how it works, because basically the airlines are just there to rip you off. It's not just a bit; they will try. They will try and charge you the most amount of money they can in the market that they're in. So knowing that, no, know, and then you learn how how to get around it and
0: how to game the system. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So, yeah, there was there was
1: definitely some using their own rules. Yeah, without that. So from that, still relevant. I was. Uh, a place called Eton Travel which is in Eton uh, where the school is this was the, during a time where both then yeah both princes were then at Eton so we're still we're still back a while in time I ended up looking after an account called Network Associates who became McAfee well in bought McAfee dropped the brand reinstated it and I was their travel agent because one of the EAs was so demanding that the travel agent who had them really, would just literally threw the towel in and said, like, I don't want to talk to her anymore. So they gave it to me. And the first week she complained about me. The second week she said, I want Sam's holiday um, details for the next six months because I need to make sure I don't talk to anybody else. She's been at both my weddings. Her son is godfather to both my children. We're still really good friends, which is lovely. But they um they they hired me net net to go and work on their reception desk, which was always going to be a stepping stone. But the the the, the moment I think where the light bulb came on for me about cybersecurity really was finally getting to the answer. There was a a piece of malware called Melissa that hit whilst I was still the travel agent. big mass mailer. So would literally go through the address book, take it was, I think it was the first fifty addresses, and I can get in this wrong. It was a while ago, um, but then it would send out porn. To the first 50 addresses in the address book and then also when somebody opened it trying, trying to mass mail itself from wherever that was so exchange servers were crashing all over the place people or people were pulling the plugs out the back, back of their exchange servers so that they wouldn't get hit the phone lines were like melting at, at McAfee or well, Network Associates then and I was like wow that's that's quite something really that, that somebody can do that and kind of morbid curiosity kicked in I think at that point. So when they said they needed somebody, I was like, "Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. pick me, pick me, pick me." But I'm going to come and work there. That sounds like a really inter- interesting industry to be in.
0: So from McAfee, that's where you got into products. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's again bit of, again, a bit of a journey. Nothing's a short story. I'll try and do it short. I, I did sales career. during the time that nobody people would argue about needing antivirus. Like antivirus is just like oxygen now, right? Or at some point of endpoint security. Um, At the time, people wouldn't always really see that they needed it. But uh, things changed pretty rapidly there. Then I went to the PQP unit, which eventually got bought partly by Symantec, selling encryption and firewalls and what was ultimately automated pen test software. In like 2001, nobody knew they needed that really at all. I mean, even firewalls were a bit kind of bougie, really. And they were really like mega firewalls as well. So basically, it was just the government wanted them. Um, so did that for a bit. Didn't go overly well because I was selling stuff people didn't know they needed, and would have been all right now. But there we go. Um, but decided that I don't really like having a quota very much. So what I had been doing though with my customers though, when they bought the software, was taking them through their install on the phone because I'd installed all our stuff on my on my company computer, A little VM, I a VM. but I, I basically knew how to take them through it. And that's not the best use of a sales person's time. But my customers were really happy because a lot of them, if they were small companies, didn't have someone to do it. So literally, like, you could hear the cellophane coming off the box. And i ring up, oh, God, let's just go through that, set it all up. So I pinged the support guy in, um, at McAfee and I was like, anything going in support right now? I think actually I'd rather be doing that and helping people than flogging them stuff. And he, t- yeah, he took a chance. I didn't show him any technical skills whatsoever. We just had a nice chat. And he's like, I think you'd be great on phone. Let's have a go at this. I'll stick you on like desktop to start with. Uh, and then that, yeah, that grew pretty rapidly because I don't know, my, my brain understands computers pretty well. I mean, they're generally they're Yeah,
0: and also people.
1: Uh, I, I, like, I like helping people and it, everything I've done really since then has boiled back to that. From there, set up the malware escalation group there, moved to incident response and research and management at Mackey Labs, then went to product because after doing incident response for three years, I thought maybe going to product might be a better plan to kind of solve some of the problems earlier than just fixing them when things went wrong. And then that ended up in marketing. So I went to Rapid7. They pulled me out into a marketing job, which I was a bit sceptical about to start with, and then it was great. Like Rapid7 an awesome company with really good solutions. And the next thing pulled out there, and that was four and a half years ago, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. cut me, I believe, green. So,
0: thanks. you're a perfect advocate for Exabeam. You know, everybody knows you as Exabeam, apart from the John McAfee blanket. So
1: we'll I talk about John now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, again, strange fascination with John McAfee, not politically, although I do find just that. I mean, if you go back to when he was on the run, in the novel, that mad story of did he or didn't he murder his neighbor, then he went. He was good running for president. Then he went on the run. Then he was doing these weird videos from a Lithuanian Faraday cage. Which saying that phrase is super weird. But I've always just found him like a very interesting person. As far as super clever, absolutely. You know, he was you know one of the early pioneers of cybersecurity, certainly of antivirus. Very odd. I think is is a fair statement. Eccentric, eccentric
0: thing politer than odd, you it? you like to embrace the weird though don't you
1: i do i really do and so for reasons that i can't really remember why i did it i think i just found the blanket <laughs> when i was going through some stuff <laughs> on Red Bull. i bought this blanket with john mcafee on it and um it's been around the world multiple times to various events and it finally went missing in vegas so maybe this is it this is the cry for help now um he, he went missing it, I hope he's out there somewhere. I've been really looking forward to getting a
0: ransom Maybe note. John McAfee is Catholhu. Why Maybe we've just solved it. What?
1: Oh, my God. As long as it's not the the name of the person we don't talk about. The <laughs> the yeah. um, could be. I've got a second blanket now, but I bought one that was too big. It's, it's massive. The <laughs> the world. So I'm thinking about a plan A plan Flannel might be the new thing. Or just buying a smaller blanket, but then I've got two and that's just weird, right?
0: <laughs> you can never have too many John McCarthy blankets. <laughs>
1: so, it's funny, I've got two regrets in life. One of them is Rod Hull and the other one is John McCarthy. What,
0: what's the Rod Hull? I can go on. I didn't say
1: hello to him in the street and then he died. Not immediately. But it's these are both exactly the same thing in, in a weird way. Of If an opportunity rears its head, don't talk yourself out of it and then end up regretting not doing it. And actually, that might answer the question at the end as well when we talk about the things. I thought I'd learned off the back of the Rod Hole thing, because Rod Hull, um, if you're listening to this somewhere in the world, and you're like, who the hell is Rod Hole? He was a kids' TV presenter. I think Rod Emu. That had a was Emu. I've got an Emu. <laughs> I've got an Emu.
0: he have got ideas for marketing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he,
1: he was in Pantomime in Windsor when I was working at Travel. And he walked past in the street and I was like, I really want to go and say hello and say, like, you know, thanks for the memories of my childhood and uh, put a bit of Rod Hull on the telly. And I didn't. And then a few weeks later, he died. And he fell off his roof trying to fix his TV aerial. And one of the awful tabloids printed this 3D style picture with his tra- <laughs> I can't say words. trajectory from the roof with bounce marks. How <laughs> I was I made a little emu behind the chimney pot as well, in case emu pushed him. Suppose if you spend all that time with someone's hand up your butt, you um.
0: Aren't the tabloids awful? Why am I still charged by this? Was it the sun? I bet it was the sun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's the sun. Yeah. Um. See, so anyway, lesson learned: don't don't you know miss miss a good opportunity. At least go and have a look at it, rather than fucking yourself out of it. And then the same thing happened with John McAfee. In that he, he posted when he was in London to, this was during his on the run stage, uh, to go for dinner at this Indian restaurant in London. And he's like, if anyone wants to join us, like we'll be here. And I didn't go. And then he died. And then I got a blanket and took it around the world and got kidnapped course, somewhere.
0: Did <laughs> you...
1: So it, Did, did he not think, you. though,
0: that the police might turn off at a sad Indian restaurant?
1: That was part of my concern. Yeah. Um, I think he was also arguing with Cyber Gibbons at the time as well about is unhackable. Yeah. And I'm like, I think it's going to get shooty. I don't want to get shot. I mean, it's London. It's not as shooty as America. But but yeah, missed the opportunity. And then, you know, allegedly his body's still in a morgue somewhere in Barcelona, which I nearly went to. Which And then I realised that that was probably a bit... <laughs> <laughs>
0: They've let you um, in to identify
1: him. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to do when I got there. I had the blanket with me and everything. I
0: was going to
1: outside with like a blanket. Who do then? So I just really stuck to it. But yeah, didn't, didn't do that. Probably best. Um, but I'm just hoping he's in Carbonite. That's my hope for John McAfee, is that he's not actually in the morgue frozen. He's in Carbonite.
0: Or maybe he's still out there somewhere. Possibly. It's a mystery, isn't it? We don't know. I don't think we ever will know. But like Area 51.
1: No, oh, unless he's Cthulhu Answers. Unless he's Cthulhu Answers,
0: which I, I think we might have solved the mystery there.
1: If, if he rocks up at B-Side London and, like, pull off his Cthulhu mask and it's actually John McAfee.
0: You'd be quite happy with that. I
1: think that'd be good. If he's you know, bogged holes with him, even better. I can just kind of kill those two demons and one <laughs> go. <laughs> oh.
0: So, that leads us nicely on to B-Sides. So, yes. I think between the two of us, there's not many B-Sides that we don't have something to do with or support.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny how things turn out, isn't it? I didn't go to a B-Sides until about seven or eight years ago. And I've been in cybersecurity for 24 years. And it was one of those things I knew about, especially London, but I'd always be at InfoSec Europe and not be able to get away on the Wednesday because that was generally how that that kind of landed um, time-wise. And I finally got to go with Jen Ellis. Didn't have a ticket. Jen, Jen knows everybody. I'd also recommend if you can get Jen on the podcast. She's amazing. So we worked together. Yeah, Jen is. So yeah, Jen, Jen and I went down, got in, walked about, felt very overwhelmed by the amount of cool people that were there. And everyone was just lovely. I think it's funny, there's this kind of this, there's a school of thought that the cybersecurity community in, in the UK can be a bit cliquey. And the clique, yeah, hashtag clique though. I, I do remember feeling like, oh my God, these people are all just like absolute legends in their own lunchtime. Like, and who the hell am I? And no, there was nobody that had some sort of big arrogant attitude about them. Like, some of them are terrified too. Some of them are naturally introvert. Everyone's been lovely like really really lovely and just I the minute I kind of got there and I went to a beer farmers talk um I can't that was the first year or the second year but I remember going to beer farmers and I sort of knew who they were but not really and they were just like these the beer farmers and like they're just hate now I they're people that I know and take this out and I just I loved it I love the ethos I love bringing people together the fact that it was yes there's some corporate sponsorship involved but it's not you know, it's, it's like night and day from a trade show. Night and day,
0: it is a hundred percent night and day. It's so different. I so for anybody who doesn't realise, what what makes somebody think I'm going to set up a B side? <laughs> what makes that crazy embrace the weird? <laughs>
1: <That's> a <level laughs> of unhingedness. I feel so. London was the only one I knew about first, right, first when then I first like first went. Then I spoke at Manchester. That's got its own side story, which is right not for now. So that, I was like, oh, there's two. And since then, like I volunteered at Vegas, which is the original one. And it's huge and is very, very different level of organisation compared to some of the ones that we help with. And Newcastle a few years ago, five years ago, I saw a post from somebody saying, oh yeah, we're going to do this, um, this B-sides in a skate park and we're going to do it. We'll set the whole thing up in 12 weeks. And I was like, that is, that's my level of crazy completely. With, yeah. Yeah, so I messaged this, like, B-side Newcastle, and it turned out it was this one guy, Ben, D he was trying to do it all on his own. And I was like, oh, hey, have you got, like, a sponsor brochure or something? And he's like, no. I, oh, uh, do you need some help? And, and that was that, really. That was my... <laughs> trying to spend some of Expoing's money and then ending up with a conference. Um, it just... It, it was... And still remains to be absolute chaos in the best possible way. Yeah, it really is. It's because, yeah, it's so, so ridiculous. But it's, it's things still work. And we've got a glorious group of volunteers and helpers, some of whom become volunteers on the day. We just come to an event and then all of a sudden, I'm shifting tables around. And- I think this
0: year I went around and went, anyone here a volunteer? Anyone want to be a volunteer? <laughs> I've got a team about three people coming
1: out. Yeah, I think I got another two or three as well, just as, as things were happening. We need to clear a room out for some biohacking. And, you know, agendas are directionally accurate time wise as <laughs> opposed to being said. So yeah, I think I think the UK has more B sides, certainly per capita than anywhere else in the world. Sort of Lancashire on the side is a bit of a advisor. Yeah. San Francisco, I just I volunteer. Just, uh, I like to have a job. Yeah, DefCon as well. I did my first year to gooning at DefCon, um, which the volunteers they are called goons. And shout out to Andy Gill because he he was my DefCon dad essentially, not DefCon daddy. It's a different, completely different second group. Um, although he's there. <laughs> where we we do the, the SOC. So SOC from a kind of more physical security perspective. That we do the late shift, so all the parties. Could um, be having to emergency clear the building out this year. Uh, that was us, so we actually cancelled DEF CON, which is a bit of a running joke every year that DEF CON is cancelled. We've got to actually physically cancel it and clear people from the building for safety reasons, which turned out to be fine, but getting 20,000 people out of a building in 10 minutes is no mean feat. Yeah, I
0: can imagine. And you being the last ones in. That can't have been fun. There you go, that war correspondent ambition.
1: There is a line, yeah. If you if you spin hard enough, you know, into kind of if cyber warfare as a thing, which in many ways it is, and in many ways it isn't, depending on how you want to look at it. Attribution is probably another another podcast. Yeah, there's still lines. I mean, there's still I think yeah, protecting people, getting the right information out there, fewer bullets, but yeah, yes. But I mean, why would you? Why would you have to be? Why would you want to do a B sides? I think there's a, there's plenty you can go help with. Geographically in the UK, yes, we're a small island, but there's B sides really from Exeter to Dundee and everything in between. Um, more popping up all the time. Yeah, it's it's good though, right? I mean, I I don't think I mean, yes, we could we could hit oversaturation if there was one every every weekend. It would probably not be good. Um, but everyone's super thoughtful about like when their dates are and making sure we're not tripping over each other. It's kind of one of the rules of B sides, right? Is like have a look to see when everybody else is doing them and don't categorise each other. So like, spreading that out across the year is good. And I just I think it, they're, they're so fun, and volunteering is a really good way to to meet people, especially if you're feeling a bit, i by the whole thing actually, volunteering gives you that safety net of having a, generally a t-shirt, or indeed a, an apron. <laughs> like we have these yeah. Still can't superhero cape. Okay? So they still can can you stop putting your... <laughs> your conference on at the same time as the british grand prix please try for help because that that is in my order of like needs formula one is right at the top i mean like air and stuff but you know (laughs) sleeping maybe formula one goes after sleeping i don't know probably in front of
0: Yeah, there's. I think there's going to be York this year, but well, ne- this year being next year. Uh, Derby is a new one. Somebody said the other day that's popping up. I was like, oh my goodness, that's really close to me. Um, I believe there's murmurings that Manchester might be coming back. So yeah, there's going to be. It's going to be a full calendar of conferences.
1: There is, and I think as well, people worry that they, they're submitting the same talk over and over again. And as someone who does speaking as well. I hit a point sometimes where I think, oh, I've done this like six times now. But if there's only 50 people in the room every time, like there's a big old world out there that hasn't seen that talk. So I, I, I'm actually quite down with people recycling talks. If it's been recorded in streams and it's, you might think, okay, well, it's done once, it's here. I've got a copy of it for me. I can put that on wherever. It's out there on the internet for people to watch. Um, but a lot of these sides, they're not always recorded um, or recorded. Cool. Big shout out to Cooper for being the most amazing a v guy ever who does the recordings um yeah, that's a good place to go and help like um, Cooper will teach you the things about AV. Um, it's a v um as well um but some talks can't be recorded for other reasons as well like some topics really um are just for <laughs> legal reasons, ethical reasons very occasionally there was one of these sides. Vegas last year that really had to be got to a point where it was okay ethically and legally before it could be even spoken of. And even then it wasn't recorded. Because yeah, I mean you think once something goes on the internet, different rules apply as to as to what uh what matters from a legal standpoint. So I think if you're thinking about submitting talks and you think, well, I've done this before or it hasn't been been selected from one to the other. Some some B-sides just get absolutely swamped. What do you think? What
0: well, do you think we need more B-sides or do you think we need more meetups and DEFCON groups? Like I know you were at Hack Thursday. I think XB were are going to be a sponsor, aren't they? I think there's a need for both. But. I think we'll know if we haven't got if we've got too many B-sides, if there's not enough talks or there's talks being recycled. Because I was amazed with Cambridge. Um, I helped um, sort of pull their schedule together with Cambridge. It's one of the ones I've kind of been pulled into uh, to help. The amount of brand new talks every time there's a B-sides. So there's obviously still a demand there. Exactly.
1: And this is why I think things get a little difficult and you'll get different opinions from different B-sides organisers on this. I want a diverse group of people presenting, and I will try and force that a little bit if I have to, because there are not through like getting people to come up and do crap talks because hey, they tick a diversity box. Not that at all. There are some there are amazing diverse speakers out there, and across, have been across a number of uh, so many different categories. Um, it's not toilets or you know what you want to wear today. There's so much more to it than that. But I just we don't have. I don't want a diverse set of talks. A diverse set of people delivering them. The vast majority of, of the Newcastle review is done blind, um, but some of it isn't. Some of it is absolutely like making sure that we're not just parading around. And I'm, I make no apologies for this. Twenty-five white guys who've all public school, for example, because that's not representative of community now, and it's not representative of where we want the community to be.
0: Exactly, representation does matter. um you know, it's, it's, it's a cliche, you can't be what you can't see, but we don't know who we're inspiring and we've got a next generation of talent, whether that's newbies, whether that's career trainers, whether that's people from IT, that we need to get into the industry. So we need to show that a women are welcome, but so is everybody else. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. It, it does matter. And that's where, yes, there's a lot of B-sides. But if you're in, like, look at Exeter's popped up. Uh, Peter had said he was inspired after Leeds to go and do something in Exeter, which is fantastic. If you live in Exeter, you don't want to have to be going to London, to Newcastle, to Manchester. You, there's a community that needs to happen in Exeter because cyber security or information security whatever you say it needs to reach all corners of the UK and the world and b-sides is one way of doing that and spreading that message because we're not getting it through schools coming through we're not necessarily getting it through graduates coming through I know particularly with my recruitment hat on, a lot of these students that are doing master's degrees then need sponsorship and a lot of businesses won't sponsor visas or can't sponsor visas or aren't prepared to sponsor visas for security clearance reasons or whatever so we, we have a wonderful education system that is one way of getting talent in, but there's multiple streams of talent that we need to attract.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And people cross-training in as well. And uh, that's something I love is seeing... Uh, I, like, I love seeing the students. I remember B-Size London a couple of years ago, these two little students stood up. two girls, they're amazing, and they like did a little just five minutes at the end about like what day they'd had and how inspiring it was. And, you know, the other, and like, my heart was full. But I also like seeing people coming in who were in their 40s and 50s who were like, oh, yeah, actually, I've been working in IT or actually I've been working in project management in, I don't know, the Forestry Commission or whatever it might be. So many transferable skills, welcoming them into the community and showing them some of the cool stuff that we're doing. It doesn't be like, well, do you, do you what sort of code can you type? We've been doing this for 45 years in cloud security or whatever bullshit goes into some of the job specs these days like lynn and there are so many different jobs that aren't i've heard people say you need a technical background i think you need so you need a technical mindset but you don't need to have written reams and reams and reams of code
0: you need to understand how parts come together and that can be from engineering that can be from all all sort of works walks of life i love how b-sides are on a saturday because i think via osmosis we kind of have like people's partners people's kids come along and they get inspired and they're like oh i didn't actually expect to enjoy today
1: <laughs> yeah exactly i mean my, my husband's not into it at all I, he came to defcon he hated it <laughs> but with a bunch of people who clearly like doing things like dungeons and dragons which he does i still hate it um it just wasn't his thing at all my my youngest has come along is the b-size newcastle best <laughs> She loves it. She came to Make and Stay Hackers in the Netherlands as well, which is brilliant. It's basically like hacker camping, superb weekends. And she sat on the stage and rang cowbell every time Mummy swore, which was quite a lot. So she she had a big time. They had a whole kids area. There was kids could volunteer there as well over a certain age. Just amazing weekends. I would totally recommend people do that. She came along to the info step walk. Both my kids came to that. Met some people. Made a lovely time. I think there's, there's room for so many different things like you know g- general cyber for good you know going to hack Thursday a few weeks back was just an amazing experience like the storm was blowing a gale. like people like, they had a lower turnout than normal and even then the room was still packed and, you know, everyone from students to people who've been in, in an industry for 25 plus years so you know, I think those those types of meetups that are sort of structured but informal at the same time
0: yeah I. I think everybody's raving about Hack Thursday. Everybody wants to be in Glasgow. Ho- hopefully we can replicate that across the UK. Um, we've set up a 2600 group, which is going to meet every first. 2600 has to be the first Friday of the month. And it's literally you meet in a pub between five and eight. I can, I can organize that. I can add that into my schedule. That's fine. So Saskia and I are doing that uh, in Manchester. Because I think those B-sides are great, but they're annual. And unless you're going to travel around and do all the B-sides that you, you're going to miss that community sort of feel so we don't want that to just be annual so the, the dc groups the 2600s they keep that feeling of community going i think
1: yeah i mean I, I, I there are so many people for me in this community that are genuinely like good friends that i absolutely love to pieces including you you're amazing we met through this madness of you know the b-sides Malarkeys, and There's so many ways of keeping in touch. I mean, whilst Elon's merrily ruined in Twitter, like the, there's a bunch of discords that I'm in. I I was really resistant to discord to begin with. I was like, no, it's just like a crappy message board from like the 1990s, like whatever, whatever. But actually it's lovely. And it feels like a safer space to be with people that are just kind of funny and smart and people are genuinely helping each other.
0: Yeah, I think you've got to be in the right discord. Yeah there's yeah i i have a love-hate relationship with discord
1: <laughs> yeah yes i hear you some are they're not all equal they're not all equal as far as i think the atmosphere can become very 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 much but yeah, you can choose to leave you don't have to if if you're in the discord and you don't like what's going on there just get out you don't have to hang around nobody's making you i
0: That's think um i think what's quite confusing with discord is you've got other names to learn like I know people's Twitter handles I know people's names in real life can you just pick one can you just go with one of those two not a third one that I have to figure out right who's that person (laughs) my my old grade I hear
1: you there's people I know in real life I'm like are they is that them is that still them I don't other boys especially right many boys men have there seems to be a small selection of first names available that are very, very common. Um, I'm, I'm really bad at names. I'm really bad at faces. But if people are called Dave, I'm fine. Like I, There's a bit of my brain that can, can absolutely do Daves. And then there's, if someone's called like Shoelace or Shalom or Water Bottle or, I don't know, Pineapple Face or whatever it might be, like, cool. I've got that. They introduce themselves as whatever handle they're going to be and they keep that brand throughout and good. If someone's just called like Steve. I'm going to struggle, so apologies to all the people I've either gone <laughs> and then waited for somebody else to introduce themselves. I, it's happened before; it'll happen again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like keep just just keep on brand. Just pick a brand, stick with I it. I hear you when
1: you've got multiple handles. That's like, the marketing. Can you, at least we'll put it away in brackets. I don't know. That's bad enough having a main. Let <laughs> alone <laughs> everything else. Although calling yourself Safe Sex at, at Def Con when you're doing radio calls, I had to swap back to Bird for that one. Bird's my yeah there is, there is some thought behind it I'm just I can't be like come in Zef this is safe sex down a radio
0: yeah this is bad
1: because <laughs> I'd be I'd be giggling at it too much so I'm like bad
0: so final question then has there been a piece of advice that sort of stuck with you throughout your career
1: beyond the Rod will tell a few things yeah absolutely don't miss out on opportunities this is going to be a weird one because I'm a big believer in the power of no and generally no, but, and, but but security's always had this kind of reputation of being a department of no. And somebody, when I was doing travel way back um, at Nomad travel um, where we had this little office in Hounslow, the boss there said to me, um, always come back with a yes. And I was like, okay. this is a service industry you want to make money whatever I was a consultant there and the example he gave so if somebody wants to fly to Paris and the only thing you can do is get them by Johannesburg give them that option so it's not quite child psychology but at least shows them that you've had a look you've tried you haven't just gone no can't do it it probably isn't what they want but you're going to give them A the feeling that you cared about them enough to to look into it I I use backlog instead of no (laughs) quite a lot of it goes on the backlog I run my life off the sun this is probably another piece of advice. But I think in, in industry, especially, like, and this is if one good thing has come, come from the pandemic, we can't just say no insecurity to stuff without giving people a reason. And the, the question really would be, like, you know, what is it you're trying to do? Like, where are you trying to get to? How can I help? Often people come to us with solutions rather than problems. And we do the same as well, right? It's, it's like techie people love, love, love working it through and going, right, I need this now. I've worked it out. And they go to someone and say, Okay, do this for me, and they're like, Why? (laughs) And they are Yeah, exactly. So you kind of got to start with a problem statement. So if you can do the problem statement and you can think about like no but or let's look at this, it goes a lot a lot of a long way to building relationships, showing people that you're trying to understand and get to the same outcome that they're trying to get to. Just a flat no is really, really unhelpful. Um, like I said in my head when the John McAfee dinner and Rod Hull encounter happened so there you go
0: always say yes um well thank you so much for being on the podcast it's been great to have you hope you hopefully you've enjoyed it and yeah thank you so much for being here
1: oh thank you very much for having me and whoever's still at this point listening um thank you for getting this far
0: Hopefully you enjoyed the episode with Sam Humphreys, and hopefully you've been inspired to either volunteer at a B-Sides or start up your own community events. If you would like to be on the podcast or there's somebody that you would like to hear from, do reach out to me and uh, on all the good socials and let's see if we can share your stories. Look forward to hearing from you.